0: We are studying Aleph. We are in chapter 4 In the previous chapter Shalomon goes to uh, Give on And he brings a bunch of korbanot And in the process he gets a nevoah And he gets a nevoah and then, and then he um, And he asks for wisdom And Borei Olam says because you ask for wisdom I'm going to give you chokhmah And, and uh, wealth and long years And so on Now there is an interesting subtext of this whole story of one of the 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 things that we have to pay attention to is the fact that the main altar that Shiloh went to bring korbanot is in Givon, right? Now at the same time, where do we know that the ark of the covenant is? It's in Jerusalem because we know we saw in Shimuel that David made a tent for the ark to come into Jerusalem. So we have the altar, the main altar of Am Israel is in the place called Givon, and then you have an and then you have the Ark which is in Yerushalayim So there's obviously no central place right now there's, It seems to be That the, the centrality of the worship Is divided between these two places Giv'on and Yerushalayim Now there's an interesting subtext That Alex Israel point, Rabbi Alex Israel Points out in this book Is that if you look at where Shalom brings the first Korban It's in Giv'on right And that's what starts the Nevoah but now, if you look at Pasuk Tedvav, the 15th Pasuk of chapter 3, it says, Shlomo gets up and behold, it was a dream. He comes to Yerushalayim and he stands before the Aron of God. And then there he brings Olot and Shlameem. So all of a sudden he's bringing his Korbanot in Yerushalayim. And he makes a party for all of his servants. Okay? So what's going on here? So, according to Rabbi Alex Israel, this is also the process, in the process of What Shilomo is doing when he's bringing all of these korbanot in Giv'on and then waking up the next day and going to Yerushalayim and bringing korbanot in Yerushalayim is he's actually making a procession in which the the centrality of worship is moved from Giv'on to Yerushalayim. Because in the coming chapters, we're going to see A, that Shilomo's power becomes very established, that his kingdom becomes very established. But B, he makes all of his focus on making Jerusalem the central place and building the Beit HaMikdash, okay? So Rabbi Alex Israel sees here like a process of shifting the focus from Givon to Jerusalem. I think that's a very, very interesting uh, detail. Uh, you noticed that. I didn't notice that, but it's very interesting. Um, yeah, and then we'll now, and then we, go, we got to the story of the two women who came to Shilomo saying that, you know, we were both fighting over one kid. Shilomo was in very intelligently was able to create a scheme in which he was able to unveil which of the women was jealous and which of the women had a feeling for the child and was able to tell the jealous woman is the one who lost because the one who is jealous is typically very happy to see the other person lose. So by telling that the person was jealous, he's able to tell, oh, this is actually not the mother because she's clearly displaying jealousy. Okay, and then when people saw how. He was able to adjudicate so intelligently. He earned a lot of renown. And people feared Shilomo because of the judgment that he represented. Okay, now we're on chapter 4. This chapter is more of like a summary of Shilomo's court. And the whole purpose, as we've seen many times when the king's court is summarized, it's to show that we are reaching like the apex of his power, that Shilomo has really... Strongly taken control over the kingship, and for that reason, we're going to go through the list of the people that are involved in his court. Shalom was king over all of Israel. I'm going to run through this very quickly. We're not going to go into much detail. These were the ministers that belonged to him: Azariah ben Zadok Akkoen, Azariah son of Zadok, Ali Eph, Achiah ben Eshisha These There's uh, writers were Ali Khoref and Achiah, Yehoshaphat ben Achilud Hamaskir. Then the secretary was Yehoshaphat ben Achilud, Uvnayao ben Yoayda the tzavad. This one we know, Benayal ben Yoayda was on the army. We've seen him already in action. Beit Zadok ve'evyatar Kohanim. and Zadok and Evyatar Kohenim. There's a question on that. We thought Evyatar in the previous two chapters, two chapters ago, was banished. To Anatot And he was told not to be a Kohen anymore So why is Aviatar being a Kohen again? So according to Radak It could be that there's another Kohen Named Eviatar, And Sadok and Eviatar Number 2 Are the actual Kohanim And it's not the Eviatar we mentioned Or Or it could be that After Aviatar went back in peace to Anatot and shalom thought about all of the, the ways that Evyatar was with his father. And he said, oh, Look, the kingdom has been established. All the other people are dead. All the people that could have created an issue are dead. Adoniyah, Yoab, everyone has died. Shimi ben Gera is all dead. So there's no more chance of rebellion. Out of all the potential rebels, Evyatar was like the weakest one, the one who at least did a chance to, to actually stage a rebellion. So we're going to let him take a secondary role back in the Beit Mikdash as Kohen Gadol. So Evyatar ended up coming back into the Beit Mikdash, according to that opinion. Okay? And then there's Azariah, son of Nathan, on the standing. I don't know what that means. Um, maybe it's on the twelve, uh, on the twelve people who were in charge of collecting taxes for the king, or something like that. Yeah, that's what I saw in the commentary. And then Zavud ben Nathan was a kohen. Probably means like a minister of some sort. And he was a friend of the king. <laughs> Akhishar was in charge of the house. I guess that's like, a, I don't know, butler. And Adoniram, son of Abda, was on the taxes. Now, taxes are actually going to become a huge issue in, in, in Shilomo's reign. Okay, Because in two, ta- two times, we're going to see that Shilomo is very, very into taxing people. One is because Shilomo, we're going to see, is going to have a huge bureaucracy, a very, very fat. Government with a law that takes a lot of wealth and enjoys the bounty of the land and takes very high salaries Right, that's going to be part of Shilomo's potential. One of the negatives we see in Shilomo is that He sustains a very very large governmental bureaucracy that requires a lot of taxes and two two. the other issue we're going to see is that in making the Beit HaMikdash He's also going to demand a lot of taxation from the people to the extent that you, the language of the text is also is almost going to look like the slavery in Egypt. It's actually, it's a very interesting comparison. Okay, but it's uh, not unimportant that Shilomo is a big taxer. I think it's going to be one of his fatal flaws, okay? Pazuk <laughs> Shilomo had 12 uh, representatives over all of Israel. Maybe these are the ones that we said Azariah ben Natan was in charge of, okay? He had 12 representatives that were throughout all of his life. And they were in charge of making sure the king had enough money to sustain him and his court and his house. And each representative, each of the 12, would fund the king for a month. Now how it worked is each representative took a specific territory, comprising the 12 territories of B'nai Israel, of their, of their tribal lands, and each person would collect taxes from that specific territory to fund the king for one month out of the year. Right? So they would find, every every tribe had the duty. Let's say Reuven would take Monday. Uh, would take uh would take June, you know, and then uh, Shimon would take. So they would get taxed once a year. They would get uh, apparently they get taxed once a year for that month in which they were uh, required. Okay, and they were responsible. So who are these twelve people who were collecting the taxes from the people? Ben Fraim. Son of Khur, Bihar, Ephraim, why it goes by his, his father's name, according to Radak, It's because some of these people They were more known just by their family. It's like, oh, in Bache Levi, like you say. Sometimes people are very known by their family. So he said, Radak says a lot of these people were just famous for their family. So, Ben Khur, in the mountain of Ephraim, Ben Dekker, Ben Makats, Ushah Albim, Uvechamesh, Be Elon, Hanan. Uh, so Ben Dekir was in those places Shalvim, Beit Shemesh, Elon I don't know if that's the same, same locations of today Shalavim is a small city near Modiin, And today I'm saying And Beit is to the west of Yerushalayim of course Ve'elon, Beit Hanan. I don't know where it is Ben Khesed Eretz Ben Chesed was in the Arubot territory He had Soho in the land of Chifr I don't know where that is Ben Abi Nadav Kol Nafat Doar then there was a son of Abinadav. Can you translate this Pasuk? I don't know what it's called. Like. Nafat Doar was in the area of Nafat Doar. And Tafat Bat Shilomo had a daughter named Tafat, apparently, that was we're in Pasuk with Aleph 11. It's, you said it right. Because Shlomo had a daughter that married sense. this guy. I just don't know why we we're pointing it out that. Ben Abi Nadab, in all of nafat's Nafat daughter, Shlomo's daughter, daughter Tafat, Tafat, Tafat was his wife. His wife. That's all is okay, let's see if there are any commentaries on that. I don't know why I didn't. I didn't try to look at the commentaries before this on this you saying the um, district of Dor, I guess. Yeah, and okay. Baana son of Achilud, was from Ta'anach and Megiddo, and all of Bet She'an, these areas are in the north of Israel. At least Bet She'an is in the north of Israel. It's pretty close to the Kinneret, actually. You could pass through Bet She'an on your way to the Kinneret. me'am. Okay, I don't know. Uh, what these areas are, Ben Geber, Ben Amot Gil'ad, Ben Geber was in the, heights of Gil'ad, now Gil'ad is in the eastern part, of the Jordan River, Loh Chavot Yair, Ben Menashe, which makes sense, because Menashe was, Reuven uh, Gadon Chazim Menasher was one of the tribes on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Asher B'Gilad Lo Chavel Argov. He had the portion of Argov, the strip of Argov. Asher Babashan, Shishim Arim Gedolot Choma Uvriach Nechoshet. And that the Chavel of Argov, the strip of Argov, had sixty big cities that were all in that area. Uh, so obviously he was in charge of collecting taxes from them. Achinadav Ben Idol Machanaima. Achinadav, son of Ido was from Machanaima. Achimaat Ben Naphtali. He was in Naftali Basemat He also took Basemat, the daughter of Shlomo, as a, as a wife. It's interesting actually that the people in charge of collecting the taxes became family members of the king. Is there like a conflict of interest there in some way? He's essentially collecting taxes to put money in his daughter's pocket, right? So maybe there is some nepotism or conflict of interest that the text is trying to show us. By saying that these people married into Shlomo's family, Baana ben Chushai ben Asher of Alot, Yo'ushafat ben Poroch ben Issachar, Shimi ben Elam ben Benjamin. You could start. Geber ben Uri be Eretz Gilad, Eretz Sichon, Menachemori, Ve'og Menachabashan, Umti be'Chadasher ba'aretz. And Geber ben Uri was in the area of Gilad, and um he would cover Sichon and Og's territory. Yehuda Israel, the Israelite rabbim. Okay, and then that's that's it for the twelve. That's a twelve. Pasuk kaf. Is a t- different topic and talks about the state of the economy at the time of Shlomo's reign. Look, this chapter is all about describing how much Shlomo's reign was established and how well the Jews did at the time. So Pasuk Kaf is going to tell us that. Baruch Amen, Amen.